podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. It's the moment of the evening every K-State fan enjoys. Settle down and pour a whiskey, crack open a LaCroix. Please put your hands together and make a little noise for your favorite Wildcatters, the handsome Bosco boys. Boys. Come on, boys. The boys are back in person. Whoa. It's been a really long time since we've recorded in this setting, and it feels pretty good. Yeah, I'm happy to be back. I feel like we're, we're trying to talk about this beforehand. It's been at least five months, maybe six months since we've recorded in person, because I know we didn't uh, for the before the Big 12 tournament. I know we didn't. Uh, after Scotty Hazelton left. I think this is, it's been over half a year since we've recorded it in person. It's been forever, <laughs> but we talked to our podcast commissioner, and you know we've been living in a bubble scenario the last couple of months, and now we're kicking off as normal, so let's see how this goes until yeah. one of us gets coronavirus and we're going to have to shut down the league again. Yeah, but, no, I, I think we might as well uh, get back to doing it in, in person as much as we can. Um, I I am happy for the discovery of recording with Zoom. Um, for all the trouble Skype was recording for us, Zoom has been infinitely better. Yes, there's some cutouts, but I mean, Skype, it used to take us like three or four calls before we'd even connect. Yeah, it got really bad there towards the end. Zoom has been amazing, and the quality is much better. It's got built-in recording. Oh, it's yeah, just... and you can, you can actually see each other without it completely screwing yeah. up the quality. It's... It's been a lot of fun. I'm I'm happy to have discovered Zoom recording. Uh, I'm sure we'll continue to do it in the future, but you know it is good to be back in person and you know drink your coffee. It is good to <laughs> have some human connection. I know, and, and I was able to see your dog and your beautiful girlfriend. And there's only been a since I've been working from home like this entire time. Um, actual human interactions. I, there's been a handful of dates. Um, in a controlled environment, not around that many other people. I've seen my parents. I went to Manhattan Brewing Company with Jimmy. Shout out to Jimmy and Manhattan Brewing Company. How was that? It was really good. Anyone in Manhattan, uh, check out Manhattan Brewing. I want to record there at some point, but again, I don't think uh, we need to be recording in bars or breweries for a while because I, you know, spit a little bit when I talk. So. I don't, I don't want to take those chances, but once things clear up, we have to record there. Um, but yeah, outside of, you know, those few things, this is, I mean, not a lot of human interaction. I guess we did see each other at Saints down in Lenexa. Um, yes. That was with even. the KSO yeah, boys. the KSO boys, and that was even like back in what, April? That was a while ago. I mean, even that was a while ago. So it's good to, good to see your smiling <laughs> face. You're rocking an awesome mustache. I haven't gotten my haircut since last November. Um, it's it's wild times, but I'm happy to be back, and I'm happy to, at least in this podcast, we're going to talk about some actual football at some point. I know, and we've got some news to talk about <laughs> yeah, too. Yeah, we do have we do have some news. Before we get into it, uh, we do want to give a shout out as always to BetOnline.ag. They're the naming sponsor for not only our show but the entire Armchair Media Network. A sports comeback. 
get your get over there for your chance to bet with our exclusive wagering partner. That's betonline.ag. Major League Baseball and the NBA are in full swing. There's no shortage of ways to get in on the action at betonline.ag. They have all the odds, futures, props, and they have an exclusive show with Floyd Money Mayweather where you can play the ice is right, where he talks about his jewelry collection. And you can bet to see how much it costs to win prizes. I mean, that is wild. I don't necessarily like Floyd Money Mayweather as a human, but he is an entertainer. So get over there, watch the shows, bet on how much you think his bling costs, and get your sign-up bonus. Build up that bankroll before football season. So visit betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. So before we talk about anything to do with K-State and stuff that directly ties back to K-State, I want to take this moment to laugh at the Big Ten, but even more, just laugh at Nebraska. Those corn-husking motherfuckers. What a joke their life has been the last, what, two, three weeks? I mean, since they joined the Big Ten, Yeah, really. I mean, that's like I mean, ten years ago, but like they're desperately wanting to play. Yeah, They see K-State, KU, Iowa State, Oklahoma, all these longtime rivals getting ready to play, and here they are just being told to shut up and know your spot in the Big Ten. I know. I don't know how they truly feel about their move to the Big Ten. I've talked to a lot of Nebraska fans who are kind of torn. They miss the Big 12, but they like obviously making more money, being in a stronger position in what would be perceived as a stronger conference. But... Man, it can't it can't be very enjoyable to be a Nebraska fan sitting in the Big Ten. I mean, they've been a doormat for basically since day one since they moved there, and the grass is truly not always greener on the other side. I mean, they they could have been, and they were a pretty much staple brand in the Big Twelve, and they could have been a player. I think. I mean, of course, they had their lull of performance. You know, they had fallen off a little bit, but. They probably would have been back. I mean, Nebraska, I feel like, is kind of a sleeping giant. And had they stayed in the Big 12, I bet they would have had a better chance of being back. But, man, it's it's great. It is great to see them fail. I miss them in the conference, but I don't really feel too bad for them. Yeah, if you just look at Nebraska, and I think this is close to, if not the 10-year anniversary of them leaving. I think the 2011 season was their first one in the Big Ten, if memory serves me correctly. Um, yes. So, since they left, they have made a bowl game only a handful of times. They brought back their native son, Scott Frost, only for him to suck. They basically are a laughing stock. They don't get to recruit any of the same old territories. They don't get to go to any road games anymore. Yes, they make more money. Yes, they – have an academic partnership with the Big Ten that I'm sure the academics folks really enjoy. But since they left, they've sucked at football. They lost their AAU accreditation. They didn't even become a full paid member in the Big Ten until only a couple years ago, which makes it even funnier because while they were getting partial shares, schools like Iowa State and K-State, KU, were bringing in just as much, if not more, money than them because right after they left, the Big 12 got a new TV deal. Big 12 schools were allowed to do their third-tier rights. Here's the thing. Nebraska, as much as they want to complain about Texas ruling the conference, they could have voted for equal revenue sharing earlier on in the conference, but they didn't do it. 
And that is what led them to the position where they wind and left. Nebraska fans basically are like the high school ex-girlfriend who broke up with you before she goes off to college thinking she's going to get with some hot frat boy named Chad. Chad makes her feel like shit. She tries to get back with you, and you're like, eh, no, I'm going to stick with Susie. So that is basically the world Nebraska fans get to live in. And, you know, you can't help but feel a little bad, but then I just remember how arrogant they are, and then I laugh at them. Yeah, it's good to see. And now they're going to lose a shit ton of money. I mean, we don't know what officially is going to happen with this season, but, you know, as we are planning to play and they are not, we sit and we watch and we laugh. Yeah, and and again – we, we laugh at their fans. There are some real-world consequences of it. Nebraska athletes, they're shutting down their training table. There's like 50 athletic department employees that are getting furloughed until the end of the year. Like, there are some real consequences with them not playing football. And I don't, I don't want our laughing at their fans to be misconstrued as we are laughing at the folks who, whose lives are drastically changed for the worse. That sucks. But they're arrogant fans. They can suck a dick. <laughs> yeah, we got to find something to laugh at. This I know. <laughs> constant hell, negative <laughs> spiral of everything. This horrible news cycle that constantly. We will find time to laugh in Nebraska. Yeah. We'll find the, the funny in it. <laughs> and before we move on, uh, I just want to touch on it. So Pac-12 and Big Ten, they both aren't playing. But how comical is it to see the Big Ten basically turn into a like 1920s comedy sketch where they hit themselves in the face with a rake, slip on banana peels, and just falter at every point. While then the Pac-12 out west, you know, the conference that, you know, they suck. Larry Scott's an idiot, but he at least was able to roll out, hey, this is why we're doing it. Here's X, Y, and Z, and kept his members in line. So, I mean, it's just a weird world. The Big 12 is the swing vote yeah. in the college sports world. The Pac-12 actually did something right, and the Big 10's a laughing stock. Like, is 2020 was already, like, the weirdest, worst year ever. I never would have thought that's what the landscape of college sports would look like in the conferences. Yeah, that 24 hours where Big 10 presidents were leaking something to a new journalist every hour was – I mean, it was so obvious what was happening, but yeah, to see the Pac-12 kind of knock it out of the park in terms of their announcement compared to the Big Ten is, it's laughable. It's just, everything is weird. I don't know. Yeah. But it feels good to have the Big 12 back in a position of um, respect and somewhat power. Yeah, no, it is, and I, I don't think, uh, at least I'm not someone who's going to sit here and say it is the absolute correct decision to try to play. I'm not a medical expert. I read as much as I can. I, I don't know what is going to happen, but I am just happy that the Big 12 is finally not the butt of every single joke. Yeah, so and hopefully <laughs> we aren't as a result of our decision-making going forward. Yes, that, that is true. Things could change, and I'm, I'm feeling— But we're not alone. I mean, no, we're not, we're not know, alone. We've got the two strongest conferences, well— yeah, I mean, I, I mean, would say you, that now. When you now. put Notre Dame in with the ACC, yeah. which is something we haven't really touched on this show, but when you have Notre Dame in the ACC, I, I think it is equivocally, at least when it comes to college college fo- sports, not just football, college sports in 2020, I don't think there's any argument that the ACC and SEC are the two biggest and strongest brands and conferences. Yeah. Um, and with the Big 12 forging forward, and 
us being a better basketball conference than the Big Ten. And then, you know, yes, they have Ohio State, but we have Oklahoma and Chris Kleiman. So I think you could make an argument that K-State's better than the Big Ten anyways, and Pac-12 is just garbage. But I, I, I really do think that uh, going at it with those two conferences at least makes it so if we have egg on our face, it's going to be everyone. I agree. So we will move on. Something that hopefully doesn't have K-State specifically with egg on the face uh, they announced uh, the attendance policy. Before we get into any of the uh, exact nature of it, were you at all surprised that they were able to get approval for it? Because, I mean, Riley County, I think, is still at maybe 2000 for a max gathering outside, and they have a lot of restrictions on gatherings indoors. Um, so part of me was a little surprised to see them get the go-ahead for attendance at all were you surprised when it finally came out i am surprised um i feel like there's still not really enough uh evidence to support going forward with this decision um i mean we've we could take the premier league as like an example they've been in um, back since july june july june, early june I early think. june and maybe not early but june something like that and they've done a really good job at moving forward with how they ran the league, and even they are still looking to maybe get fans back in the stands in some sort of capacity, like as early as or as late as December. Yeah, I um, think it's between October and December the last time I heard. And I just don't – I mean, I don't know how – I think we can just kind of move forward into the next question, like how – or at least the policies. I mean, I yeah. think that we've – these are good enough really to go forward in terms of like 25% attendance. That's going to ensure that there's going to be plenty of distance between people. I think that's just going to be the most important thing. Um, and as long as everybody's wearing masks, I mean, the combination of that, those two things and being outside at all times, which we know, you know, UV light pretty much kills coronavirus pretty quickly. I think it'll be okay, but my gripe with it is that you know, human nature is pretty weak and people are probably going to disobey the rules. So how are, how hard is K-State going to enforce that and how well are people going to follow the rules is really going to depend on, it's just going to depend on those two uh, variables. Like are people going to be disciplined or not? And that's going to decide whether or not this works. Yeah. So you said it 25%, they're supposed to have mass on the entire time. Um, no tailgating. Uh, no re-entry. I think all of those are good rules, but it comes back to what you said. How strictly are they going to enforce it? And just human nature. Again, I, and, and we'll talk about this later about whether we'll go to games. We had the question, I think a couple months ago in a Q and A, and I said, once they let people back in, I'm going to go to games. Um, I've softened on that because uh, you see almost every gathering, you know, college students are coming back. You've seen weddings, parties, house parties in California. Uh, almost any gathering of people turns into an outbreak, and I get it outside, but I'm, I don't trust people. And, again, I, I'm not going to pretend like I've done everything perfectly along the way. Right. I was a – I, I probably waited too long to do masks. I, I remember 
going to the grocery store back in late March and not wearing a mask. And I was like, okay, like Hy-Vee makes it so the at-risk folks go between like eight and 10. So if I go at two, I'm fine. But then you start hearing more and more. I'm like, no, you're, you're just being selfish. It takes no effort to put a mask on. But the fact that there are still people fighting that really <laughs> makes me nervous that, yeah. uh, that it's not going to happen. I understand why they're doing it. There's revenue. Um, fans want to go. It gives a little bit of an atmosphere, but I so are lying. masks required in the stadium. Yes. By yeah. fans yes. and everyone. Okay. Yes. But, but again, is, is, you know, Craig from Seneca really going to be following those rules and how much is some poor little 20 year old who's employed by the athletic department going to really force this, you know, drunk 48 year old guy to put his mask back on. Like, I, I don't know. I, I'm a little nervous about that because yeah. I don't, I don't want it to turn out to be, Oh, you know, here's 200 cases all connected back to going to the K state football game. Yeah. I mean, we will see. I think people are slowly, but surely kind of joining the, the mask movement. Um, pretty much any time that I'm out, I'm, I don't see anybody not wearing a mask when they're inside. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be difficult because we're just, we're stubborn and we've shown to be stubborn (laughs) as a unit in the country in the last six months regarding this virus. So we'll see what happens. But I mean, if you want football, I think people, I think the people there maybe will understand hopefully that, you know, you're privileged to be there. I mean, it's 25% capacity. This is, it's a privilege that you get to go and see the guys in person. And hopefully they will use that as, you know, a catalyst to follow the rules and, and do it strictly. I don't think that people really need to be sitting in the stands with, with their mask on at all times. I mean, I guess it does depend on how far away you are from people, but um, as long as people are, you know, when they're interacting with, uh, you know, the employees and when you're on the concourse and, and if it's like even remotely crowded, you know, you got to have your mask on. But hopefully, hopefully they'll use it as the opportunity to do that because, like we said, you're privileged to be there. So, oh, yeah. and they know probably how easily it could be taken away. So, yeah, I hope so. Um, real quick, no re entry and beer and wine will be available as general concession items um so here's my question to you is gene being a sneaky little bastard and using this as uh hey we're doing this for this season because of corona but maybe it's just going to stick around i personally everyone who listens knows i'm rooting for that are you in that same i hope so i really do i think we need to take this opportunity to get the ball rolling on that to keep fans in the stadium at all times, and I mean, because we have, we suffer a lot of attendance atrophy, you know, during games. I mean, it's a a real problem, and the more, I used to always be someone that would leave at halftime and come back at the third quarter, but, you know, the the older I get, the more I think about it, it's like, why are you going, <laughs> what is the point of going out there? I mean, I guess, yeah, I can have a free beer and some food, but it's like, it's always hard to get back on time, and... It, tr- it legitimately does affect how the players feel when they come back out when half the fucking stadium's not in there. And sometimes it's like I get back – or people don't come back until midway through the third quarter. And it's like, 
we need to put an end to that. There's really no reason, you know, you're not going to go to a concert and leave and come back. This is an event that you decided to go to, so just stay in the stands, support the band at halftime. <laughs> no, don't do that. But hopefully, at halftime, you can go up and get some booze, maybe. Oh yeah. In the future. Hopefully, I I agree. I I've never been one to really leave and come back. Um, I, I get it. Some people are like, oh, I, I want to socialize. I want to meet up with my friends who don't uh, sit near me. Every year when I was a student and every year before I started having my seats with my dad, I was able to meet up with him on the concourse quite easily and chat with him all halftime. I, I mean, hell, I, I used to when I would do that, I would see you almost every halftime too, yeah. just walking by. So I, I get it. I understand that. I was get, trying to avoid you. <laughs> I know. It's wild. Uh, but y- you can hang out before and after the game. I I think this is a good move. I hope Gene and the staff uh, just continues this policy after this season. Um, and again, I, we didn't even talk about this. But even if you're se- the only way to get go to games is if you're a season ticket holder and you buy many many packs. Uh, there's two different ones: Arkansas State, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, or KU in Texas. Um, We'll just end the conversation on this. Will you be going to any games this year? No, I won't. Um, I mean, I think the package is pretty pricey and not <laughs> worth it um, for three games anyways, but I've just kind of resigned to watching the games at home at this point. You know, I'm comfortable with that. Um, and I don't think I would enjoy the games in person anyways, to be honest. I mean, this is not how college football is meant to be watched. You're supposed to be – jam-packed shoulder-to-shoulder with your brethren, you know, cheering together, crying together, bitching at the refs together. It's it's never fun to go to games where the crowd is lacking, and this is going to be an extreme case of that. Um, I'm not someone that needs to see the game in person to appreciate it. I know you there you see different things when you're there in person, and it is a different type of thing. But the atmosphere to me means a lot, and – you know, the social aspect means a lot, and I just – I don't think it's worth it. I'll let the other people that really want to be there do that. Yeah, I – like I said at the top, I've gone back and forth on this. I, I originally thought, oh, no matter what, I'd be going. But when it got to the point, it's like, all right, you're not going to be guaranteed your seats. It is pricey for either three or two games. Um, a big part of going to games for me and watching K-State football is being able to share that experience with my dad – my dad definitely isn't going to go to those. Um, and then, yeah, I have, I have a couple friends. Shout out to friend Matt. Uh, I'm not going to put his last name out there. I don't know if his last name's been put. I'm not going to dox Matt. I know him and his girlfriend are going to go. I I'm think. pretty sure we've said it's full name okay, well, multiple times, but we don't okay, need to. Yeah, we don't need to. And then I think I think I have some other friends who will be going. And it would be nice to see them. But, you know, if, if I really want to watch a game with some of them this uh, – season i you know we i could drive down to wichita and hang out with matt or brandon in manhattan and some other folks so i think um being able to watch games with those folks i'll get the opportunity still and then i i i don't know i i've never had i haven't missed a home game since i think the last home game i missed was pre-ron i think because i was at bill snyder's last home game but it might have been that season that 2004 or 2005 season since i've missed a home game um so but i just i'm at the point where i'm just like you know i'm gonna just enjoy college football from home this season and start back up next season 
Yeah, I mean, especially, I think that's a good point. You'll be wanting and needing to have multiple screens on now because you may not get it again. Like, it could it could go away at any time, and we're very lucky to have college football, so it's like we better stay home and get multiple screens up and just take in as many games yeah, as possible. Ve- veg as much as we can while we have it. So we will move on from that. Again, it's – uh, you know, it, it's a crazy time. Um, if you do get to go, just be responsible. So, uh, speaking of being responsible, if you're going to engage in sexual activity, I think it's only responsible that you manscape and, you know, keep your bush clean. And in 2020, not much you can control, but you can control shaving your bush. You can keep your bush clean and you can keep it fresh with the products at manscaped.com. Oh, yeah. And, if you use promo code armchair, you're getting 20% off and free shipping. Guys, I know I've talked up the Lawnmower 3.0 and their body wash, but I just spritzed on, started this week. I got some crop preserver, crop started preserver. spraying it on. It's basically their ball deodorant, anti chafing. Like, it smells good. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, people are actively smelling my groin, but if they were, they'd be like, oh, wow. This guy has a great presentation, and it smells good. So get over to uh, manscaped.com. Use promo code armchair. Send us a receipt. Let us know you bought it, and then I will also send you a Bosco's Boys koozie. And as always, go to betonline.ag. I actually made a nice little chunk of change last night betting the over 28.5 points for LeBron James, individual prop. Our guy LeBron had another great game. Um, we won't get into pumped his, about that. Actually, oh my gosh, I can't believe some people were trying to hate on him for a triple double and <laughs> yeah. a win. I, I whatever. I LeBron haters are weird as hell. But I got. I don't, I'm not even. I don't like the Lakers, and I'm. I do like Portland. Like they're an easy team to to jump on the bandwagon for. So I was kind of torn going to this, but now it's just like I hope the Lakers win because the LeBron, the anti-LeBron brigade is just like so inflammatory and stupid like it's so there's such a clear bias there that's well, and the like, mental gymnastics the you have to use i mean the haters the, are so annoying the athletic writer really tried to be like oh yeah lebron scored what was it 20 got 14 rebounds and 13 assists and was like man it's lebron lebron age LeBron is ruining ages. the nba oh my gosh so but i i made a little bit of money betting on the individual point over on lebron so you guys should do that too get your bankroll up before college and pro football pro football is right around the corner too so go over to betonline.ag also major league soccer go sporting um all right let's get into it we are now going to talk we have quite a few points this might be one of our longer shows this offseason but we have some honest to god real football to talk about um one thing i love about the chris Kleiman era is how much availability he has with his coaches and players and thanks to our friends over at case online they're posting on their youtube channel all the press conferences so we've been able to hear a lot of stuff i want to hit on some of the highlights stuff that i really liked um, the first one was Joshua Youngblood. <laughs> I I like the swagger and confidence of this kid, but in his press uh, availability, he said that his goal was hit a thousand yards receiving, a thousand yards rushing, and a thousand yards in the return game. 
like I said, love the kid's swagger, his confidence. But can you ever recall a player being so public with like a more outlandish goal? I mean, surely he couldn't have meant, especially in a ten-game season, all in one season. Like, is I'm hoping that he means like maybe I can get to these marks for my career with this season. I don't know, but that's insane. I don't think there's has there ever been anyone that's even done that. There's no way. I, no, I if, bet you. Has there ever been? I can't recall someone, even some of the best returners. At K State, having a thousand yards returning in a season, you know that's a lot. That, I mean, that's it a, is. a fucking it is. lot. It I mean, is. even if you returned five kicks, which is like crazy. Yeah, I I bet you I bet you we've had a thousand yards. I mean, because think about it. Like Joshua Youngblood last year, he housed what three kicks, mm-hmm. and probably between those threes, you're just a shade under three hundred. Yeah, and then even if you're averaging, you know, twenty yards after that. We'll have to look it up and yeah, come back I mean, to it. But I, I, don't th- I mean, yes, it's a ridiculous thing I mean, to say. I think, but I think out of those three, I think it's more likely he'd be able to get 1,000 yards returning than rushing or receiving. Yeah, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, yeah, it's an outlandish, ridiculous goal, but, you know, people that become great start with outlandish dreams. So hopefully he can fulfill that in some way. I mean, if I mean, he's like even – Heisman. Yeah, that would be uh, it. Would be absurd, but you know, hopefully, I just hope that he can become, you know, an integral part of the offense rather than which kind of bleeds into the next question: What do we think he can be? Can he take the next step at wide receiver? I don't know. I don't. I'm not sure he's quite ready for that yet. Um, I mean, if, if we could get in a thousand, if we could get a 500 yard season out of him oh. as a receiver, I think that would be an immense year for him. Um, I mean, we, we're going to need somebody to step up into the second second role. I think clearly Malik Knoll is, is going to be the number one guy. But I don't know. I have some question marks about Youngblood's ability as a receiver to take the next step. But I think he's the guy that would be able to put in the work to get there. So we'll right. see. Yeah, and in that number two receiver role, it sure at least seems that people are trying to signal that it's going to be Sebastian Taylor. Yeah. Um, and to that point – I everyone wants young blood and I agree with them. I'm not saying that it would be bad for young blood to turn into a legitimately good wide receiver instead of just being a gadget guy. But here's the thing, him just being a gadget guy or being someone who plays behind the line of scrimmage for reverses, swing passes, screens, all that type of stuff. That doesn't mean his time at K-State wouldn't be still a wild success. When you have the quick twitch and the speed that that guy has, yes, it would be ideal if he could be a Tyler Lockett, Tremaine Thompson, a guy who has that speed, can run the routes and do all this type of stuff. But even if he was just, you know, almost like – Oh, who was that running back that we never got the ball enough to? Demarcus Robinson, right? No. No, not Demarcus Robinson. He wasn't very good. No. <laughs> well, no, the Wichita kid who was super fast. Uh, yeah. Really? I feel like he's, we never used him. He struggled. But, yes. Okay. I'm not but, saying that he was used. Cr- I'm just saying even if we used Joshua Youngblood in that, where hey, all he is is a guy who takes screens, gets some you know rushes, end arounds, that type of stuff. That doesn't mean he is a failure as a player yeah i would um, agree because I, I i see some of the stuff on message boards and twitter oh young blood needs needs to take this next step does he i mean yes we would love him to and hopefully we get other wide receivers who step into that more traditional role if malik and uh 
Sebastian Taylor truly were you know legitimate Big 12 type receivers and Phillip Brooks and Wyking Gill are still on the outside I wouldn't have a problem just using Youngblood just like we did last year yeah I mean I think it's if anything you know a compliment to his game that he would be able to slot into those different types of roles um and not just be isolated to the wide receiver position. I mean, because you look at the other wide receiver, and it's not like they can necessarily do what Joshua Youngblood can do. I mean, you put them – it just means you have a, a more well-rounded set of skills. And I, if he can make an impact behind the line of scrimmage or, you know, coming off screens, so be it. We're going to want to get him the ball – as much as we can, I think, uh, you know, going into the future because he's a, a player that is skilled. He's a player that's explosive. So I don't think, you know, even if he doesn't take the next step as a wide receiver, I mean, I would agree with you. I think we can still use him as a great weapon in our offense, which he's we've proved that we can do. Yeah, exactly. I Limited, but, you know, I mean, he scored a touchdown against, against Oklahoma. Oklahoma. I mean, yeah. it is what it is. You owe me a Coke. Um the the guy we'll we'll move on from that and I I hope Youngblood turns into like a Heisman contender of course but we'll see what happens I, he will be someone I'm gonna keep a close eye on this year so another guy who gonna have to keep a close eye on and he's definitely running away with the fall camp and preseason practice like hype train of the year award and that is Khalid Duke so Buddy Wyatt mentioned that he could be a first team All Conference guy. Wyatt Hubert called him an absolute baller. He was part of the Jet package as a true freshman. And, I mean, he played wide receiver in high school. We thought he was going to be a linebacker, and he just bulked up and become a defensive end. Uh, how big of a you know difference maker could he be for the Cats this year? Well, <laughs> I'm hesitant with these types of hype trains. Um, you know, I feel like there's always stories – of somebody performing at a high level coming out of training and, you know, how often do those actually come to fruition? With that said, though, I mean, an edge rusher is probably one of the easier positions to evaluate. I mean, all you really need is strength, speed, explosiveness, and if he is checking all those boxes, who knows what he could be. Um, You know, with that said, we have seen him make some plays in the past with limited game time um you know like you said coming in with those jet packages um but who knows he seems a little undersized to me at the moment but he, he did bulk up i think i think it was 25 pounds in between last season and this season so, so i mean who knows i i don't see him every day and you know the experts do and why why hubert's a big impressive dude and if who's who's walked the walk and if he is saying that this guy is going to be a player then I guess we got to take take that with some with some confidence. Oh yeah, and something that I at least am looking forward to, even if he doesn't quite live up to the hype, even if he is just a average to slightly above average defensive end, that basically means he's going to never be double teamed, and all he ever will have to do is beat one guy, or that means he's taking some of the pressure off of White Hubert, who if he you know, isn't constantly double teamed, he's going to put up numbers that make him an All-American type candidate. So I I think even if he is a one-trick pony, maybe if he's just a speed rusher and he only has one trick in the bag, that's all it would take 
to either have a big season with Hubert on the other side or allow Hubert to truly strive. Yeah, I agree. The next one, and this is one where um, I'm probably taking a little bit more of a, with a grain of salt. I think if you're making me choose between the two of these, I'm believing Khaled Duke more than Noah Johnson. But he is a guy who is constantly getting praise from teammates and coaches. It seems like he's really stepped up and taken a leadership role on a basically brand-new offensive line outside of Revis. Do you think he has what it takes to anchor the line from center? I don't know. I mean, we'll see. You know, this is obviously it's the biggest question mark, question mark of the season, isn't it? I mean, we lost so many guys <clears throat> on the line in general, and this is the most important. The offensive line is the most important uh, unit in football, and I think – Right behind that is the defensive line. The trenches is what matters. Over um, quarterback? Or are you just keeping quarterback on a – I mean, quarterback obviously is important, but I think I think both lines – if you don't have a line, you really can't control the game whatsoever. But then again, if you have a shit quarterback, you're kind of in trouble. But um, that's another conversation I mean, that we Colin have, Klein almost won the Heisman playing fullback <laughs> as a quarterback. True, so. true. No, but, I'm just um, killing, kidding, Colin. Um, I know you're a listener. So, I mean, yeah, it, no doubt about it. The offensive line, at least, is the most important unit for me on the team, um, and we have a lot of question marks going in. Um, it's definitely, for me, my anxiety level about it is is higher than normal. Um, with Connor Riley, maybe I mean it just it's going to depend are these guys do these guys have the bodies that Connor Riley is going to want to to have his offensive line functioning how he wants and we I mean we will see um I think Connor Riley is a good coach um we had some struggles last year during some games and I think we're going to kind of see the same type of pattern but we'll see it's hard I mean it's just I I feel like there's never really that much of a drop off for us at offensive line, I mean, in the past, even in some of our weaker teams. Well, I think there's even been some revisionist history because we've had some NFL guys on the line. You have Cody Whitehair, you had B.J. Finney. You had usually at least one guy who got drafted. But when you look back at it, like everyone's trying to be like, oh, Charlie Dickey, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean – were we really that much? But I don't think we were. I mean, yeah, I think there I, were times, there were games like, you know, the Texas A&M game where you saw Scott France just, you know, put Miles Garrett in his pocket. Um, but I don't think it was ever this, like, constantly dominating unit. And every no, year we thought, we thought, oh, this is going to be the bright spot of the team. But then you just had a handful of games where you couldn't run, you couldn't do anything. And it always so. kind of feels like – they don't really get going until about five or six yeah. games in. And, I mean, I don't know. It, it is a big question mark. It's a big unknown. Um, but, I mean, I think it'll probably just operate as it normally does. Um, we'll, have our, we'll, we'll have our problems. But, like I said, halfway through the season, we'll probably know what they are. And I don't think they're going to be like worldies, but I don't think that they're going to um, put the team – in a super vulnerable position either. Yep, no, I, I agree with you. Um, it sounds like the projected starters left to right are going to be Duffy, Revis, Johnson, Adler, Levinson with Delforge and BB 
being the key reserves, you know, BB was a guy who I thought was going to be starting at tackle over Levinson, but it sounds like he's going to be that swing guy. Um, he's made comments about he being Connor Riley that R- Josh Rivas needs to be good, not great this year, that they still have a lot of work to do. That does kind of scare me. I was hoping to hear, oh, man, you know, they've made all these strides. But, you know, he- hearing Connor Riley say that, maybe I'm just trying to diagnose words too much, which I've been guilty of on multiple occasions. I, I'm just getting a little bit more hesitant about where they might be. I agree, but he did at least say um, that physically they yes. are there where he wants them to be, and they're extremely physical. They're going to be like 25 pounds heavier like per position than they were last year. So that's good. And they're longer, yeah. maybe more athletic, maybe. I don't know. I mean, the intricacies of the line and what they need to be doing sounds like we're behind on that aspect. But, you know, I'm sure a lot of teams are behind where they want to be right now. Um it's been a, a weird off season. They've been they've had limited time together, so I I don't know. I think it we probably are going to see some sloppiness across the board. I think in yeah, college football this year, yeah. and I, I I don't think I mean who knows until they actually play. But like I said, I don't think that they're going to be as bad. I don't think they're going to be so bad that they're going to make the offense extremely vulnerable and that we're not going to be able to function. I mean, there's still. It's it's the offensive line. They're going to they're going to function to a certain degree to where I think that we will be able to perform. And I like I like that he said that they're they're very physical. So we'll see we'll see. Yep. But yeah, it's 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 a huge question mark. Clearly. Yeah, I I didn't have this in here, but it kind of goes hand in hand with uh, what you're hearing with the offensive line. Is I'm a little uneasy about running backs because all the talk is that. Harry Trotter and Burns being 1-2 with uh, Jarkadia Wright and Irvin being 3-4. I hope that's not the case. No offense to those two guys, but I was really hoping we'd see one of those two freshmen who got their four games last year really step up and take that number one running back by the horns. Yeah, I agree. Um, (laughs) I don't really – I mean, Trotter can do a job, I think, but – I think it's clear that Wright and uh, Irvin. Irvin have more explosiveness. And I was hoping that across the all skill positions, it seemed like we were going to be taking a step forward. Um, Which we might still. We Not might. running. I mean, I, I, it won't be at running back because at the end of the day, the two grad transfers we got in last year just – They were solid. They were, they, really were they were solid, yeah. Really sad we never got to see Jordan Brown – be fully healthy but yeah i agree um but i do think that those freshmen that we mentioned have more potential than those guys i mean they could become i think they could become very very good a very good tandem and i love what i saw from from Wright a lot i mean he's a downhill powerful runner deuce vaughn's around now too Deuce Vaughn is around he's like exciting and they've been praising him pretty heavily um yeah, j- just wanted to get that in. Sorry, I I know I'm a slave we'll to see. the outline. We will see. That in there, so. We will see. I think, and I mean, even last year, those two guys did get the bulk of the carries, but this is more of a committee style running back. So I think that the freshmen will get their chances, and if they shine, then they shine. I, I think it's more of like I, it's similar to the offensive line. I don't think it's like a, a physical talent thing. It's a 
you know, they haven't had the reps that they need to take those steps going forward in terms of what they need to do in the offense. So um, I think that, you know, they're young and that that aspect of the game will catch up with them. Um, they just need to learn. That's all it is. Yep, no, I, I agree with you. We will move on to some news that uh, was rumored uh, Friday. I think it became official on Saturday. We are recording this on Sunday the 23rd, late morning, just in case something crazy happens. Uh, but Walter Neal Jr. decided to transfer. Um, so I this is a guy who – I have no ill will towards. He was a, by all accounts, a great guy. Uh, he played quite a bit. He had a lot of starts between nickelback and cornerback, um, you know, his redshirt freshman through junior season. And I think you could even make the argument that he outplayed his talent, or at least at a minimum, his physical size. Um, what was your, you know, take when it came out that he was leaving and what is going to be your lasting impression of Walter Neal Jr.? Um, <laughs> I like Walter Neal. I feel the same, basically, about our secondary going forward, losing Walter Neal. I think it hurts any time you lose a guy with experience in the room. Um, Walter Neal is a, a guy that had a lot of playing experience, but he also knew the program really well, and those guys are super valuable to any team. But... As far as, I mean, I think, I'm, in my opinion, he was one of our weaker corners. Um, I think he was better suited for the nickelback position because he was less isolated. I think he just didn't quite have the corner ability to, you know, lock down a guy, and oftentimes I think he was out of position. But it's like he was, it feels like Walter Neal was either like a liability at some point or a huge playmaker. So he, he would get he himself. Some picks. He, he got would some get himself. Yeah, breakups. He would get himself in huge positions and make plays, or he would be beaten and out of position. So um, I think that our secondary is pretty strong, and this gives younger guys that need the experience and guys that I want to be playing the opportunity to play more. So, um, like I said, I have nothing against Walter Neal. I like Walter Neal. He was a great character, um, but. I'm excited about the prospect of young players getting to eat up that time. And I think our secondary is in a strong position. So, Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about the NCAA ruling a little bit later. But before that ruling came out, there were at least rumors he was going to opt out this season anyways. And then I think when he – because you have A.J. Parker, you have Keandre – uh, who's the grad transfer from Minnesota. And then even behind them, you have Justin Gardner, who is a Juco corner who has that size and athleticism that the staff wants. You have Lance Robinson, who anytime he's been given the chance, he's played well. And then you have T. Dents and all these freshmen coming in. So I think Walter just kind of saw the writing on the wall of, hey, if I want to play in my senior season, I'm going to have to go elsewhere. I hope he lands at like a Tulsa or – uh, SMU, a Rice, Tulane, somewhere in the American or even Sunbelt and gets to play and thrives at that level. I'm, I'm going to be rooting for him wherever he goes. Um, but, yeah, you know, it, it, it's never a good thing to lose a senior leader. But for him to get to be able to play in his final years of eligibility, it, it makes sense. So we'll move on. Uh, we had a position switch confirmed. Um, 
Jonathan Alexander opt out. I don't know if we ever mentioned that on this podcast. Let's, he's, we can chat about it now. I mean, he's down in Texas. Um, never going to criticize someone for making a decision. Um, but he seems to be training quite a bit down there <laughs> with other people who aren't getting tested. It, it's, it's Jonathan Alexander is an interesting situation. I like him as a player. I think he's a playmaker. Um, but all context clues, at least, leads me to believe maybe he's played his last game at K-State. Possibly. I don't, don't want to speculate too much, but he's been – some of his decisions have been interesting. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I wouldn't go as far as saying that he's not going to come back. I feel like he is because – well, that's just – I mean, it's been a – it's been a rocky few months for Jonathan Alexander. I mean, he's had to deal with being in kind of the, a national spotlight for a short period of time because of the racial tensions that happened at K-State due to some bullshit. And that was probably pretty stressful for a 20-year-old. Um, and then he got coronavirus, had to quarantine for two weeks. That was probably very stressful. I mean... Yeah, it is interesting, you know, for him to opt out of the season and then be playing and doing physical activities. Um, I agree with that. I think that's kind of silly. It kind of contradicts the whole reason to opt out. But I think it could be more of a I need a break type of thing. Like, I'm going to take this year, spend some time with family, uh, kind of get my head right. I mean, he said that himself. He needs it's been a it's been a wild few months for him and he he needs to take some time to get his head right. And personally, I think he's going to come back because, and you know, maybe not, but he's got a lot of conviction about changing the culture at K-State. And, you know, he was kind of spearheading that entire movement. And, you know, he said, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to go to some HCBU because I that's that defeats the purpose of what you know I want to try to do here like let's let's change it here and I think K-State means a lot to him it seems but we'll see time will tell I don't think that him opting out is like a foreshadow well, opting foreshadowing. out opting out isn't what makes me think that it's seeing that he is down in Texas and he's basically working out with a whole group of guys right on an almost daily basis, posting about it and posting about how he wants to be playing. So that that's where my head's at. And, again, I, I mentioned it when I was talking about Connor Riley. Yeah. Uh, I overdiagnose everything. That's probably it, – it's one of um, many of my flaws. So maybe I'm trying to read too much into it. And, you know, he, he's a playmaker and he plays with a purpose. So I, I'm definitely not trying to push him out by any means. I no. just think a lot of his – at least how open he is about doing all this training with other folks, not socially distancing when you chose. It just yeah. seems interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. And I, I see your perspective and if he did not come back, I wouldn't be surprised, but I'm in the can. I'm, I feel like I'm in kind of the minority of thinking he's, I think he's going to come back because I just think he's, there's more, there's there's unfinished business here for him, I think, and yeah. he seems very convicted about that type of um, that type of thing. So it will be interesting. We have young safeties, and we have two true freshmen 
And we just got that uh, Louisiana Matthew Legolas, I think is how it's pronounced. Maybe not. I don't know. I, need I don't to know hear if it's the. Say. Yeah, I don't know. Langless. Langless. I think there's an N in there. I don't know, but he's a top 40 Louisiana guy. Had a ton of offers. So there's a lot of studs at safety. So we'll see what happens. But what what I what this whole point was to talk about was Jaron McPherson or J Mac as uh, all the coaches call him. He officially is working with the safeties, and it sounds like. He, at first, it was sounding like he might be the backup for both spots. It might sound like he's actually going to start next to Wayne Jones, um, you know, with Tyron Lewis uh, being the backup there. What do you think about that move away from Nickelback to uh, safety? Because I, I thought he played pretty well at Nickelback. I mean, he might not have the pure coverage or speed that they're looking for there, um, but I, I thought he was serviceable. Yeah. I think he's kind of – I feel less confident. I'd rather have Alexander, but I think they're kind of similar. I mean, in terms of just being kind of Havoc-type players. Um, I mean, time will tell. I f- like I said, I feel pretty – got to stop saying that. keep saying like I said. I can, now <laughs> I'm noticing it, and it's pissing me off. But, uh, What's the phrase I always use when you make fun? Uh, shit. Because you, you said it once when I wasn't on the show. and It'll come to yeah. me. Um, <laughs> I feel okay about about J Mac being moved back there. Um, I I feel good about our secondary as a unit. Um, I'm excited to see you know Wayne Jones again. I think he had some tumultuous times last year, but you know he was a true freshman being asked to play a huge amount of minutes, and I think he could be elite for us. Um, but time will tell. I don't think he's going to be like a huge liability, J Mac or anything, but. I don't know if he's got the uh, pedigree really to be to be like a huge step up, but we'll see. Yeah, um, and I think the hidden part of all this, that makes me think that Will Jones and true freshman T.J. Smith, both being nickelbacks, that makes me think that they're doing pretty damn good in practice if they're saying, hey, we're going to move a guy who was a starter for most of the season in this spot and then roll with these freshmen. Um, that makes me pumped for the future at Nickelback. I can't wait to see TJ Smith. I feel like I have a lot of hype for him. Um, yeah, they must be performing really I mean, well. Here's the thing. Will Jones traveled even after using all four of his games last year. So I think that is a big sign of how high they are on him. So I think between the two of those guys, I think you have two super quality nickels um, that is going to, you know, be great for the future of K-State football. I agree. I can't stop thinking about what that phrase is that you say. It's bothering me. What is it? Uh, I don't know. We're gonna have to, I, it'll come to me. I, yeah. Because you haven't said it once. Yeah, I don't think I have because I've tried to make a point to catch what I say and uh, change my habits. But if anyone remembers what the phrase is, because it's stupid, but – it's just like another one of those fillers. Yeah, fillers. Tweet, tweet into the show. Um, all right, we will keep moving on. We only have a handful of points left. And the last one that is directly just K-State football is quarterback-wise. Uh, you and I, big Skylar Thompson guys, um, that's not what we're talking about. Colin Klein got out in his Zoom media availability and said to the media that Ost is currently the number two, but then heaped a ton of praise on Will Howard. Coach Tui 
just completely unprompted talked about how he was making NFL throws down on the goal line. Um, how like exciting is it to hear this type of stuff about Rubley or not about Rubley about Will Howard, and then have Jake Rubley who actually will be playing up at West Des Moines, Iowa High School since Colorado is not having fall sports. Um, how exciting is it to have those two guys for the eventual torch passing when Skyler does step away from the game. It's very exciting. Um, you know, I have no ability <laughs> to evaluate quarterbacks, especially young guys that we've not seen play in real life. But I did watch, like, Howard's tape a year ago or so from high school, and the one thing that did stick out to me was his arm strength. I feel like he has an absolute cannon, and – it feels good to hear that kind of validated by Coach Tui. Um, sounds like he's just putting the ball in a rope, and that's exciting. He's got good size. Sounds like he's bulked up a bit. Um, I feel good about Howard going forward. I think he's going to – I think Rubley's going to maybe have a hard time prying that spot from him. They're going to have a battle going forward. I really think that. It will be a fun battle to watch. Um, I, I do wish – that Aust wouldn't be getting the number two. And again, that's unfair to the kid. I'm not seeing practice. I don't know the conversations being had, but if they're truly thinking Rubley or gosh, see, that's where my head's at. I want Rubley I mean, I to too. be the guy. Um, but if, if Howard truly is as good as like what the whispers are, what coach Klein's trying to say, what Tui's saying, then I, I want him taking the number two snaps again. No offense to Nick Oss. Like, walk-on quarterbacks, those type of guys are just the heart. It's the type of guy you need. And credit to him because he beat out John Holcomb for the number two spot last year. Wow. So Forgot about that and, guy. And that's, what, and that's what sent Holcomb off from playing quarterback. That's what sent him to transfer. He's part of the reason why uh, there was that other dual-threat quarterback that was at wide receiver and transferred as well. I can't remember. Chris Heron. Right. So, again, Nick Ost has beat out two scholarship quarterbacks, sent them to other positions, and then ultimately they transferred away. So he has some ability. But if people are that high on Howard, I think – because I don't, I don't want a season where Nick Ost comes in being quarterback one because I think he's only a junior, although the final point is going to completely throw classification out the window. Uh but I, I don't want him to be the number one. So I'd prefer, prefer Howard to be getting all the reps as possible. And then also Lewis, the first quarterback they brought in, they sold him from North Dakota State on the first signing day. Just keep him happy and try to get him to be third string his entire career because, um, as you referenced, if you think Rubley's going to have a tough time prying that away, I have a hard time seeing a four-star quarterback, top 250 guy, uh, sticking around and deciding to be a backup for three years. And maybe so, he won't. Maybe he'll come in and just but, but be still, like, but I'm still, better than Between you. Howard and Rubley, I think there's no chance all of, either both of them will see out their entire career at K-State. No, probably not. So you got to maybe be talking to Lewis like, hey, look, do you, what do we need to do to keep you just chilling and not playing for five years, um, which is <laughs> shitty. Uh, you know, if the kid wants to transfer, go ahead. But there's going to become a point where all of a sudden we look like we have all this quarterback talent. There's going to come a time where Aust graduated, Skyler gone, either Howard or Rubley transfers. And then if Lewis transfers too, 
then you're just one cheap shot from a Texas Tech player away from, you know, going wildcat with Sterling Lockett back there for his entire career. So um, we'll see what happens. Um, but it is exciting to hear all that stuff about quarterbacks. I'm going to say this as a massive generalization and with no evidence whatsoever, but Aust is the guy that's that doesn't have the ability to be the starter and to take that away from Skylar Thompson, but he's the guy that works extremely hard and he knows every single nook and cranny of the playbook. He doesn't make mistakes, but he doesn't have the ability. That's why he's the number two. We see that constantly. That is he's true. He's the walk-on that is working harder than everybody else. Who knows the playbook, he, knows he the He doesn't audibles. have the ability, so he has. He doesn't have the intangibles that the guys below him have or the younger guys have, But he, he so he has to make up for that. And being the most disciplined dude around, the the great teammate, and the guy that knows everything about the playbook and just runs runs the ship. So I I feel like that's why he's number two at this point. I mean, he's a safe bet. Like if if Skyler goes down, it's like we can probably run the offense through him. He, it might be too much to ask of Will Howard at this time, but I think. Later in the season, Will Howard will probably yeah. take that from him. Nick Oss is the guy who finishes the game, but then if Skyler's hurt long-term, you want it to be Will Howard. You throw Will Howard yeah. in because it's like we have to make some plays here. Exactly. And like I said, that's – fuck, I said it again. That's with a massive – that's a massive generalization and no evidence whatsoever, but that's just kind of my thought process on that. Yep, and then just a – Quick shout-out to Skylar Thompson. Pro Football Focus rated 25th quarterback in the nation coming into this year and the number four quarterback in the Big 12. So to all the Skylar haters out there, it's funny because the senior bowl folks, coaches, analytics folks at Pro Football Focus, all of them seem to think he is a, you know, slightly above average uh, above average Big 12 quarterback. So the Skylar – Thompson haters can suck a dick. He's an interesting case as a quarterback because I feel like he has a special something that has legitimately won us games in crunch time. Multiple games. Exactly. I mean, yeah, he has like a special factor about him that like never dies and he is a good leader and he's a winner, but he's also got some – He's wears his heart on his sleeve and there are times where he can get, like, tunnel vision and kind of disappear into games. So I, there's going to be, like, detractors, and there's going to be, like, pro Skyler guys. He's, he's, like, hard for you to look at with, like, an objective lens. But I think he's I feel like people a look good at player. him, like, objectively, like the people at the Senior Bowl, people at Pro Football Focus. Right. I think those folks are like, hey, here is a fringe late-round Try type draft pick or like free agent pickup who tries to, you know, be a training camp practice squad QB. And then there's people like me who are probably like, oh, he's the best ever, try to make cases for him to be a top five case at quarterback. And then there's people who think Jaron Lewis should be starting over him. It, it is crazy. I love Skyler. And let, let's just get into it because this becomes a massive point and it's going to be a massive conversation because. We're going to end on the NCAA making a interesting ruling saying that every single – and it's not just football. Any single fall athlete will not lose any eligibility this year regardless of how many games are played and when the game is played for their given sport. So what this means is, hey, if you look at the K-State roster right now, anyone who is a senior on this year's roster 
Still next year, you thought they were going to be gone? They can come back. They will still be a senior. Juniors will still be juniors. Sophomores will still be sophomores. Freshmen will still be freshmen. And then in 2021's football season, seniors don't count towards your scholarship limit. So what does that mean? There is going to be the single biggest freshman classes across the world. You're going to have schools with between 50 and 60 scholarship freshmen on your roster next year, creating a massive backload. And then you're going to have the 2022 kids in high school right now. I, you couldn't, I, I feel so bad for them. Not only are they maybe losing out on their junior season of high school sports, but now there's going to be less opportunities and spots for them in all of college athletics as a whole. Um, so before we get into what possible outcomes and impacts that could have on K-State specifically, what is, what is your opinion? What is your takeaway from this ruling by the NCAA? It, and let me just say horrible situation. I don't think there is a good answer for all this. I just think this is maybe one of the worst answers. Terrible rule. That's what I would say. I mean, it just completely ignores reality. Um, I mean, L as shitty as it is, el el ugh, eligibility has to be lost. It should be lost. Um, everybody is suffering from this pandemic, and it's just reality. I mean, it's it's not fair to the seniors that, especially the ones that aren't going to be playing across the country, but you can't. It this is the wrong answer. It's just gonna it's gonna affect recruiting and future classes for a very long time. I mean, it's just it's the wrong answer. Instead of basically screwing a handful of current players who are either gonna go pro or they're they're seniors, um, instead of those handful of folks, you're now affecting literally thousands of folks, and not just football. Thousands of folks like. Think of a 2022 girls soccer player. She now has, like, if she was, like, a fringe Power 5 prospect, she could end up in Division 2 just like that because of this rule. Like, it is – uh, It doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's just oh, – I know it's not a fair situation, but, you know, life isn't fair sometimes, and they need to keep – that class moving I, I just think like th it's very short-sighted I, I don't know what the fuck they were thinking well they were looking for a pr win because all the big sports journalists are like oh the ncaa finally doing what's right for the student athlete all this type of stuff but ignoring the ramifications yeah because now because of this rule not only not only are they not like schools and athletic departments don't have to uh, give them the scholarship. They they get to keep their spot. You can't tell a senior, hey, we're cutting you, but what you can say is, hey, look, if you want to stay, we're not paying for anything. So you're screwing those folks over. You're going to now have coaches who to then fill a recruiting class, they're going to have to be trying to find ways around the rules to basically cut kids who don't, who then are just going to be falling down again. Like you could see a guy go from a Power 5 school ending up playing at Washburn next year. And guess what? That kid who was going to go to Washburn, now he's just going to be a generic student at Allen County online. It, it just it, – the trickle-down effect is going to be massive. And, again, I, I understand what they were trying to do. I just think this was a horrible decision. I agree. And it, there's so many 
there's going to be so many consequences that aren't even like unforeseen. You can see what is going to happen in just next year. I mean, not even worrying about like all the scholarship stuff. Like, what are seniors going to do? I mean, what do you think? This bleeds into the next question. You know, like if Skyler doesn't have to leave, if those seniors don't have to leave, what are they going to do? Like, it's going to be very interesting. What do you think Skyler does? I mean, what if he has an amazing year? Okay, well, so I, I think if he has – so this is how the Skyler Thompson thing is going to play out. There's going to be two two ways this plays out, one amongst fans and one inside the locker room. So the first one, let, let's say Skyler's a stud. K-State goes 8-2. and two. Uh, He plays great. So – Fans are all of a sudden going to start start changing their tune. Oh, man, what if we get Skyler for 12 games next year? Could we be in the Big 12 championship game? Like, everything changes surrounding Skyler Thompson. But at the same time, he has that good season. All of a sudden, instead of being a guy who's a fringe senior bowl guy, probably is an undrafted rookie minicamp guy, maybe all of a sudden there's a team like Jacksonville that takes him in the seventh round, you know? or sixth round or whatever round, maybe he finds a way to be a draft pick. So then he's like, all right, do I come back, try to go 12 games and finish on a possible like super high note? Also think of where he would be in all the career lists. So it's like, do People I People would be really mad about yes, that. Yes, they would. So does he think legacy build or career? On the flip side of it, if it's like, okay, we go five and five, mediocre, most fans are going to be like, no, fuck it. Let's go Will Howard, Jake Rubley. Let's move forward. And he's probably thinking, well, fuck, I got another yeah, year. I got, I got another year. Back. Yeah. And then th- th- this is what it is. I, and what, how I think it's going to happen, I think at the end of the day, this is going to be Skylar Thompson's final year. What I don't want is to see him transfer to another school have 12 games at another school whether or not he's great or not I don't want I again Skylar Thompson's a guy who it's almost like Kamal Stokes again he's he's not going to go to elite eight and he's not probably not going to win a big 12 championship but he's a guy who I think just isn't properly appreciated by all fans and I don't want to see him wear another jersey he's one of the guys who i cheer for i've cheered for the hardest i think he has a great story the kid has gone through so much adversity i don't i don't want to see him in another jersey so what i hope happens is he balls out this year and he gets drafted in the fifth round to the jacksonville jaguars or even to the chiefs and i'll get a you know skylar thompson third quarterback you know t-shirt and set it up in my closet right next to my Byron Pringle shirt. So um, that's what I hope happens. Um, I, I think this is going to be the last year. He's either going to transfer. He's going to try to try to you know make a practice squad next year. I don't see him coming back for another year. Um, but where's your head at? How do you think this might play out specifically with Skyler? Uh, I think he's going to go regardless of what happens. Um, but I don't know. I mean – it's bizarre. It just kind of feels like I, I'm trying to think of like what would I want to do. Like, I mean, he's been in the program for five years. Five years. It's and, like and he, and he if, came out in early spring too, right? Even so if it's you, five and a half yeah. Years. Even if you had the extra year, it's like, would you really want to? I mean, and that's not even looking at players like guys like Elijah Sullivan and Justin Hughes, who will be freaking old as hell, like mid twenties. How old is Justin Hughes right now? 24? 24, 25. I mean, would you really want to stay? 
I think. Well, and, but it's di- but again, it's different for a guy like Hughes yeah. and Skylar Thompson. If you remember, Bill Snyder's staff kicked Hughes yeah. off the team. Snyder retires. Hughes is back. He becomes a leader. Then he has an injury. So he's been robbed of so much college football. If I'm Hughes, yeah, I'm, I'm coming back. Plus, you know, he's coming back from an ACL injury, which really takes like two years to actually get back to your explosiveness and your actual speed. So maybe he will want to come back. And then, like, Keandre Thomas, uh, transfer cornerback, he might think, all right, Hell if yeah, I come I got two back, more years. Yeah, get tape, maybe get in the NFL. Guy like A.J. Parker, he's probably thinking, if I have a good year, I can be a late-round draft pick. I can be a rookie pickup. He's probably not coming back. And then you look at some of the interior defensive line. You look at Jaron McPherson. What's I he going to do? I hate this rule. I, I hate it's, it. It's, yeah, it's so bad. And, again, I, I have all the confidence in the world that Coach Kleiman and his staff, they, they do right by the players. I, I don't think they're going to screw anyone over. I don't think they're going to be dicks about this rule. I think they will use it correctly. But it, it just makes everything so crazy. And, again, I feel bad for our guy Taylor Bratt. How is he now supposed to recruit not only 2021, but like we're getting close to closing on 2022 kids. How do you – close on those guys when you don't even know how many scholarships you're going to have available because that, that's the other thing because because the seniors don't count against it you're going to be over 85 in theory the only scholarships you can bring in for the 2022 class are guys that leave early for the draft or transfer away how are you supposed to project that or they're just going to Increase the scholarship numbers which forever, they, well, which is going to be It shouldn't be forever. What, stupid. What it should have been, in my opinion, if you were going to go about this as the NCAA, you should have, for 2021, had the limit be 100, 2022, 95, 2023, 90, 2024, 2024, back to 85. You had to have a gradual plan to get back to 85 so you weren't screwing over complete generations of college athletes at the football level. And for non-revenue sports, I don't even know how to fix that. Um, I don't know. So It's a mess. Ugh, it is a mess. But I think that's all we had on our outline. That's it. That is it. So um, before we sign off, uh, guys, Wednesday we are going to have the second annual Dream College Football Road Trip Podcast. Grant wasn't on it last year, but my brother was. We're going to have both Grant, myself, and my brother doing it. It was one of my favorite pods from last year. And then guess what? A week from now, so I think that would be on the 31st, is is my calendar right? On the 31st, we are going to have our 200th show. That's right, our stupid little show which has turned into an empire, will have its 200th show on the 31st. It's going to be our annual predictions pod. And then guess what? The four days after that, to kick off September, Blitz Week is back. That's right. Next week you're getting a show every single day of the work week. And guess what else? One week isn't enough. The following week, game week, leading up to Arkansas State, we will have our traditional game preview coming on Wednesday. But the other days that week – Blitz week is two weeks long. That's right. Starting next week, you're going to have 10 straight work days, weekdays, whatever you want to call them, where you're getting a Bosco's Boys show. We're going to crank them out. I think the only show we have confirmed for Blitz week because it's scheduled is the one and only Sexy Bald Ian Campbell. Grant will be on that. Everyone else is in the process of being scheduled, but it's going to be amazing. Uh, you know, you're going to have a lot of Bosco's Boys for your ears in the next few weeks. Yeah. It's gonna, it's gonna be good. 
<laughs> it is. We love you guys. Stay safe. Uh, that's all I got. Meet me at the cat head. Network.